Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to read together there. If you're, uh, I'm glad, I was hoping we'd have some people here in person today. I'm glad you were able to make it, and if you're watching online, we're glad to have you. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, and you'll follow along better, I think, if you'll do that there and take some notes there where you are. Let me mention uh, three goals for this 2022 year. I, I just wanted to mention the thing, three things that I began thinking about some time ago. I sure have a hard time these days predicting what's going to happen in the future, what circumstances will look like, but these are three goals that I want us to mention as a church. They all matter for a variety of reasons. The first is to start, we're going to, we want to start at least four new adult life groups. We believe life groups have an impact and a power. There's something important about studying the Bible. There's something about connecting with other people that is valuable and beneficial, and, and we'd like to start at least four new life groups this year. We want to have at least 2,000 people in worship on Easter Sunday. We've had, um, it, it, circumstances won't always be as they are right now in our culture, and we're believing we'll have that many and more. We've had far more than that before, but it's, uh, as I said, it's hard to predict the future. But we're glad for people to join online, of course, but there's something important about that connection together, and we're uh, praying that way toward Easter Sunday morning. And then uh, we're, I'm praying for specifically for 100 or more baptisms this year. Um, we, we believe people need to know Christ as Savior and follow Him as Lord. And we, I bet there's some of you who need to be baptized. And it's just something special about that public profession of faith. I'll do a baptism night, by the way, a week from tonight uh, on the 16th that'll be in the Kids Life Center. If you'd like, if you've trusted Christ as Savior and like to follow in believers' baptism, we'd no, I'd love to <clears throat> participate with you in that. <clears throat> anyway, you pray with us about these three goals. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's been a long time since we've been in 2 Corinthians, but we're going through it verse by verse. And uh, let me just kind of set the setting again of what's happened to this point. So if you were here before the Christmas services and such, you may remember some of this story. So the churches in Corinth, the church in Corinth is being talked to about participating and helping the church in Jerusalem. It's going through a time of famine and difficulty, and so they need help, financial help, in a time of difficulty. And so Paul's talked to them about being generous. He reminds them of the generosity of the churches in Macedonia. You may remember the Bible says they were generous in their poverty. You don't have to be rich to be generous. You have to be generous to be generous. And they were a generous church, even though they had very little. And he was using that to remind the church of Corinth of what he wanted from them. And so let's pick up the story now in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll start reading with verse 16 as we talk about on the subject, do what's right. The Bible says, thanks be to God, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent went out to you by his own choice. We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness, our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We've also sent with them our brother. We've often tested him in many circumstances and have found him to be diligent and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are 
the messengers of the churches the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you. So let's talk about doing what's right. I've got four principles I'd like you to, to note. If you're uh, here or online, if you'll write these principles down, you'll follow along these four principles of doing what's right. Principle number one, doing what's right starts with a heart. So it starts always in our heart. And verse 16 describes this to us. Paul says, thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. God put that concern, this care for the church of Corinth into the heart of Titus, verse 17. For he, speaking of Titus, he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. So notice how the Bible describes this work of the heart. The Bible says God put the concern into the heart of Titus. God put that same concern for you into the heart of Titus. And then the Bible says Paul was used by God to put the concern there. It wasn't only that God did this, but the Bible says in verse 17, Titus welcomed our appeal. And then it says Titus welcomed Paul being used by God to put the concern there. So thanks be to God, he put the concern there. God used the appeal of Paul, and the Bible says Titus was very diligent and went out to you by his own choice. So did God do it? Well, yes, God put the concern into the heart of Titus. Did God use others? Yes. Titus welcomed the appeal of Paul. And do we choose to get our heart right? Well, yes. The Bible says about Titus, he welcomed our appeal and went out to you by his own choice. So we might say it like this. I choose to trust Christ, or I choose to follow Christ, or I choose to serve Christ. The Bible talks to us often about choosing to trust Christ, choosing to follow Christ, choosing to serve Christ. But we also realize that God uses others to appeal that we do these things. So God uses people. He uses people like a pastor or a life group teacher. Some of you have a godly relative who has been praying for you. Maybe you have some friend at work who has who's, uh, shared the gospel with you or encouraged you in your faith. Or maybe you have some classmate who has lived out faith before you. God often uses someone to appeal to us, and God blesses us through them. And then we know ultimately that God is the one who does these things in us. So we choose to trust Christ. But God often uses someone else. And God, of course, is the one who does the work ultimately. Only God can save. God is the one who ultimately causes us to follow him. But he often uses someone else to appeal to us. And we can choose then to follow Christ. God calls us to service. Only God can do that. He gives us. He gives us spiritual gifts to serve him. He uses others to appeal to us, to encourage us. And then we can choose to serve the Lord. And so very often, we notice that doing right starts with the heart. And can I just tell you, God does, God, God is a heart surgeon. If you didn't know this, God is a heart surgeon. Some of you probably here have had some heart surgery, and if not, maybe someday you will. Ah, what an exciting thought for you. One day, maybe someone will go into your heart, and they do all amazing things these days. I mean, you live through this even. They put little instruments in your heart, and they can repair valves, and they can make things right and put things together. And it's an, God does this all the time. God reminds us that the starting place for doing what is right is the heart. 
He doesn't just talk about the actions on the outside. We're going to talk about doing what's right. But I want to remind you that God gets to the heart. He wants to talk about who you are on the inside, and he cares deeply about your heart. And so very often, God is a heart surgeon. Sometimes God will use other people in that surgery. He'll have someone else who will hold the scalpel, so to speak. And maybe God will use some life group teacher in your life, or maybe some relative who loves the Lord deeply, or maybe you'll have some some friend or co-worker or someone who lives out faith in a way that you see it and God often appeals to us. Maybe God will use this message this day to appeal to you and ultimately you'll stand before the Lord making the choice whether you're going to follow him or trust him or serve him. But doing what's right always starts with the heart. There's a second principle I want you to write down. Doing what's right entails wise administration. It entails wise administration. And verses 18 and following talk to us about the administration of this gift. Twice that word is used here about the organization and how important it is that we administer, that we're organized in order to do the right things. Now recently, uh, the pastors here on staff went, got to go onto Scott Air Force Base. We had a meeting there, but uh, while we were there, one of the, uh, our student pastor had never been on the base before. And so we were riding with Tom Dawson, happened to be driving. Tom Dawson is our Minister of Adult Education. If you don't know Tom, you need to. He's been here a long time, for years, really leads the education side of our church. Great man. And Tom was prior military. I don't know if you knew this. He enlisted when he was a young man, and then he went off to, got called to ministry, went off to seminary and such, came back as a chaplain, and basically, as I understand it, Tom, for a long time, ran the Air Force. I said, that's how I understand it anyway. And if Tom didn't run the Air Force, he should have. Tom is a sharp guy, and a guy like that's the kind of guy you want leading the Air Force. And I just feel confident in my heart that Tom was the most important guy in the Air Force in his day. And Tom started pointing out to us various things, you know, a lot of the buildings there uh, on the base. Some of you work in some of those buildings, and many of you are connected to the base in some way here. And he pointed out all the different things that happened there, and really... A lot of what happens on the base here is not, it's not directly the, it's not the direct tip of the spear action of, of warfare. A lot of it is about the details and the administration and the organization, or what we sometimes call logistics. And man, that's a big part. That's an important part of the military. And so these are the guys who make sure the people and material get to the right places and ready to do the right things and. Uh, undoubtedly many of you work in some building or some cubicle or something a lot of your work is really about logistics or about organization about the administration and it's very important that's not the only part of the military right I mean sometimes you have to uh, break things and sometimes people have to get you know involved directly in warfare and but man none of that can happen without the logistics and administration and organization I've read because I have nothing else to do. I read uh, Civil War books all the time. I read gobs of Civil War books. And um, often, now the war, that's the big, you know, that's the exciting part, I guess. I'm not getting, the bullets aren't being shot at me, so, you know, I can be excited in a different way from a little bit of distance to the warfare. I know there's some difficult things in the warfare part, but just from the, an excitement standpoint of reading about the war, I can read about all the battles. But often the battles are dependent upon whether or not some guy did the logistical work of, of getting some pontoon bridges to the right place at the right time. Or whether the hardtack got to the men 
when they needed the hard tack. What I'm saying is, organization matters. And not just to the military. Because Paul is going to talk here about the organization and how it affects the administration of the gifts of the churches to help the need that was in Jerusalem, the ministry that would take place in Jerusalem. And he's saying the administration matters deeply. In fact, let's just kind of work our way through these verses. Note verse 18. The Bible tells us there the offering is administered by a team. Verse 18 says, We've sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. Now, he's unnamed here. I kind of think maybe it's Luke, but if not Luke, someone like Luke, who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. But this brother, who's praised for the gospel ministry, is involved in going with Paul and others to administer the gift to the church in need. Verse 19 tells us, the offering is appointed by the churches, and it's administered by Paul, and it's for the glory of the Lord. It says not only that, verse 19, but he was also appointed by the churches, that is, the churches gave him a responsibility, to accompany us, they went together, with this gracious gift, that's the financial resources for the church in Jerusalem, that we are administering, we're going to see that word twice, administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. So administrating, administering or organization or logistics can be for the glory of God. Now the goal of the military is not, I hope, bureaucracy. Enough of our government makes that the goal of life as it is, I think. But it's an important part. The logistical work is an important part of the mission itself. And Paul is saying here, man, we need this guy who's working in the gospel ministry to help us to administer the gift for the glory of God. Verse 20, we are taking this precaution. Well, there's a precaution taken so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. He's saying we're going to take a precaution against slander and against division. Boy, things get, money can cause people to get divided. It can cause difficulties and struggles faster than almost anything. And so he said, he's saying we're going to administer, administer this properly, and we're going to use organizational gifts and skills. We're going to have logistics. We're going to have people involved. Verse 21 says, indeed, we're giving careful thought to do what is right. Some of you who are in that accounting world or the logistical world know about the careful thought to do what is right. Notice this. To do what is right is not just about emotions and feelings, but it involves careful thought as well. Not only before the Lord, but also before people. We want to do right by God who knows everything and before people. Even if we could fool people, we can't fool God. And so they're saying wise administration matters. They're telling us three things about wise administration. Take care of details. Don't just ignore details. Don't just say, you know, we'll take up an offering. Maybe it'll get there and whatever happens, happens. As though we don't have to be good stewards. But listen, as a church, we just said, we're going to be good stewards of the resources God gives to us. We're going to try to use it for the glory of God. We're going to take care of the details. We're going to make sure we're doing it in the right way to, before people, but ultimately even before God himself who knows all. We want to make sure the right people are aware and involved. Paul's saying, I want churches, I want you to know up front what's happening and how it's taking place. We want the churches to know. We want the church here. We want the churches in Macedonia. We want the church in Jerusalem to know how this is happening. We want to make sure the right people are aware and involved. We want to do that as a church here. We want to give people responsibility and accountability. We give them responsibility. 
but we make them accountable for that as well because we know they stand to give an account of themselves before a man and ultimately before God. So we might say it like this. Effective ministry, which is the goal, involves effective organization, which is the means to that goal. So the goal of ministry is not just effective organization any more than it ought to be the goal of military. The, go the goal of the military is not just to be organized. The goal is to be able to, to be equipped for, for battle. But organization is a means by which that goal can be reached. Now, the goal for our church is not organization. That's not our goal, just to have organizational skills. It's the means to the goal. The goal is effective ministry. An effective organization is a means by which we get to effective ministry because that's the goal. Paul's saying, man, I want to do the best I can to help the churches in a time of need. I want you churches to be involved in caring for a church that has cared for you. I want all of us to love, to love each other and help in our time of crisis and need. I want us to be willing to serve, to sacrifice, to be generous when it's necessary. Effective ministry, which is the goal, involves effective organization, which is the means. Now you say you're talking about doing what's right, but we're talking about starting with the heart and we're talking about entailing wise administration. But before we get to actually doing what's right, notice how involved all of these are. We can't do what's right unless we start with the right heart. We can't do what's right until we entail wise administration. And number three, point number three, doing what's right comes from personal integrity. Now before Paul ever gets to really the issue of doing, he talks about these three issues and he's talking about the importance of doing what's right coming from personal integrity. And let's go now uh, to verse 22. Will you follow along? Stay in your text. Stick with me here. The Bible says in verse 22, we've also sent with them our brother. There's another unnamed brother here. Not just whoever it was, Luke or whoever it was that was this person praised for his gospel ministry, but another brother unnamed. And the Bible says we've often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent. And now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. So here's what Paul's saying. So this guy, an unnamed ministry partner, has been tested. He got a he had a pop quiz. I don't know if you're still in school, I don't know if they do pop quizzes anymore. It was the great fear of my uh, young academic life. You know, someone just do a pop quiz. They maybe give you some homework and you you didn't expect it, and then they just said, "Take out your paper. You're going to have a pop quiz on this." I mean, unexpected. You know, you know some things are coming. You have a final exam or a midterm exam or scheduled quizzes, but to have a pop quiz, you know, an unexpected one. Well, the Bible is saying this guy has some unexpected pop quizzes. Uh, we've often tested him in many circumstances. So Paul's saying this. We, we wanted to find out what the guy was like. So he got tested in all kinds of circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances were awesome, and we just wanted to see how he dealt with success because sometimes guys get a little success, and they just do terrible with it. Have you ever noticed that? We wanted to see how he dealt with the circumstances of difficulty. So we watched when difficulty came. It was a test for him, and we found out how he dealt with difficulty or disappointment. When he thought something was going to go a certain way, and it didn't, and he was disappointed, how's a guy deal with that? Or what about something that just, I mean, things just went awry, or does he get angry when things go poorly? Does he just throw a fit when things don't go his way? Does he just, does it go to his head when there's some success? All of these in life were pop quizzes for this unnamed man. And can I tell you, they're pop quizzes for you. Now you watch your life. You want to find out what you're really like on the inside? 
Watch how you respond to these various circumstances. When something good comes, do you become arrogant? Self-serving? When you face difficulty, do you just fall apart, blame God, mad at the world? When expectations aren't met, do you deal with them in healthy ways or unhealthy ways? Listen, what comes out of you is what is in you. And you find out a little bit about yourself. The pop quiz comes when the circumstances of life happen. Paul's saying here, when this guy, this unnamed ministry partner, was tested, he was found diligent. And he passed the test. We know what kind of guy this is. We know what it's like when things are going poorly, when circumstances are difficult, when he faces deprivation, when he faces adversity when he faces victories we know what he's like because we tested him in all of those circumstances and we found him to be diligent and all the more now because he wants to be uh, diligent for you we have great confidence in his diligence and then let's go to verse 23 where we see the integrity of titus paul calls him a partner and a co-worker for you and he's a guy who's with me i mean i'm he's standing with me in hard times good times when the gospel's going well or when it's difficult. And he's working for you, not for himself, not just for what he can get, but for you. And as for our brothers, they're messengers of the churches and they're doing it for the glory of Christ. Who you are affects what you do. There's no getting around it. Who you are affects what you do. And so God focuses on who you are, not just what you do, not just what people see, but God focuses on who you are. So um, in my last year of my master's work, you know, seminary is a long process, and I was in my master's work for a long time. My la- at the end of seminary, before I started my doctoral work, I was in seminary for years, and my last um, semester before that time, I met two guys who helped me to understand about this issue of doing what's right comes from who you are. Both of these guys were really famous. I mean, a, a seminary professor being famous, I know it's a small world, it wouldn't be famous to you, I get that. I'm just saying, in my world, they were famous. They were great professors, they were well-known, they uh, ex- both of them great preachers, outstanding preachers, uh, great demand to preach in various places, both of them just famous in my small little world. And the first guy, um, tremendously gifted, tremendously gifted but I got to know enough about him behind the scenes to find out that his that his integrity wasn't what it ought to have been I'll just say that and though I could learn from him and I'm telling you he was talented he was not the kind of guy he should have been it led to some problems later some time later that got more revealed and he had some great difficulties in ministry but at the time all people could see was the talent. Can I just tell you, we're way too enamored with talent. Way too enamored with talent. And God's just not that enamored with talent. You know, God's not like short on talent. Oh, Doug, I, I need your talent and get. Oh, no, no, not at all. God doesn't. God's not short on talent. God wants me. And can I just tell you, like God wants you, not just your talents. You think God's like short of money or something, and He just wants your money or that he's short on talents and skills and he wants your mad skills, you know? And that's, you think that's what God's... You know what God wants? He wants you. He wants you. And if he has you, of course, he has, you, has your talents and abilities and skills. And so 
At about that same time, I got to meet another guy, and I'll say his name because I, he became so prominent in my life, Dr. Fish. Roy Fish was his name. I call him Dr. Fish. So Dr. Fish was, I graded for him for a good long time and traveled with him. He stayed in our home lots of times, preached here several times along the way. We got to know Dr. Fish really well, prayed with him many times, just got to know him really well. Saw him behind the scenes. I, I saw his uh, abilities and talents, but I also I saw his weaknesses. I saw him in the frailties of life. But I'll just tell you, that guy loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. I mean, I knew he had talents. He's a great preacher. And his day, just as gifted as there was. But, man, he loved the Lord. And just who he was on the inside. And I, I remember God just using both of these guys in my life to remind me what God wanted was not just for me to be, like, talented or skilled. I'd, I'd like to be, do better at what God's called me to do than I do. But God wants me. And what God wants from you is not just what you do. Did you know that? Not just what you do. Not just what you give. God wants you. He wants you. He didn't want just Titus. Titus, oh man, you got so many abilities. I just want your abilities. He wanted Titus. He didn't just want Luke's skills and abilities. He wanted Luke. And sometimes we think what God wants is just what, what people see on the outside. God wants you. He wants you. And I want to remind you that doing What's right comes from personal integrity. And who you are, you say, but listen, I thought we we're talking about doing what's right. And we keep talking about who you are. Do, who you are will ultimately lead to what you do. And maybe you can fool people for a while. And maybe you can just, you know, let people see the outside. But ultimately, who you are affects everything. And so God cares deeply about these things. Doing what's right starts with the heart and it entails wise administration and it comes from personal integrity, but there's a fourth principle, and I want you to note this one. Doing what's right is an action to take. And finally, we're getting to the doing part. But listen, we can't get to the doing part without all the rest, all the starting with the heart and entailing the wise administration and coming from personal integrity. But let's go to verse 24, where the Bible says, therefore. So the Lord's word is saying to us this. I want you to get your heart right I want you to get the think about the organizational, how you do things is, matters, not, not just the emotions behind it, but also the wise decision-making, how you do things, doing things with a, as a good steward. I want you to have personal integrity because who you are affects what you do. But therefore, because you know these things, therefore, then he gets to the action. Show them, he says, verse 24. Therefore, show them. We live right next to Missouri, the show me state. Did you know it's the show me state? And what the show me state is saying is, don't just tell me, let's see something. Don't just talk about it. Well, Paul is saying to us here, therefore, show them proof. We want proof. We want to see some evidence. We want something that, that can stand up in a court of law and say, now what, it's not just what the guy says, what did he do? Show them proof before the churches of your love. What you do is really evidence of your love, not just what you say. You can say, I love you and not love, right? But what you do is evidence of that. And so the Bible is saying, you, you therefore, as a result of the, having the right heart and the wise administration, personal integrity, therefore you show them the proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you. Man, we've talked to people about the heart you have, what we think we see. Now you put it into practice. Here's what he's saying. Go beyond good intentions to good actions. Don't just have good intentions, church at Corinth. Go beyond that to good actions. Go beyond someday, someday to this day. 
You can't serve the Lord in the future tense. Service is always present tense. Salvation always happens present tense. Service always happens present tense. All of my ministry life, I've heard people with good intentions. All of my ministry life. I've heard people all of my ministry life talk about someday. Someday I am going to, whatever it is. I'm go, someday I'm going to trust Christ as Savior. Someday I'm going to start reading my Bible for myself. Someday I'm going to get active in personal devotions. I get some discipline. I'll begin to read the Bible seriously. I read through that New Testament multiple times and through the whole Bible over and over. I'll really get to know the Bible. Someday I'm going to get involved in service. I'm going to use my gifts and talents and resources for God's glory. Someday I'm going to uh, be a witness at my workplace or at my school. Someday, someday. Good intentions. Someday. And listen, I'm, I'm all, I like good intentions and I, a plan is great, but the reason therefore is here the word therefore is all of that is leading to action because the, the sermon is about doing what's right, not about intending to do what's right, not about someday doing what's right. The sermon is about doing what's right. The Bible talks about doing what's right. Action. Not just intention, not just hopes, not just wishes, not just someday. And I suspect God has some of you here today, maybe all of us are here for a reason, and that is because God's reminding us, I want you to, there's a therefore in the Bible for you. So good intention is great. Go beyond that to good action. Someday, all right, fine, I like the planning, but listen, that's got to become this day. And maybe the Lord is reminding you that he wants you to be saved, not just someday, but this day. He wants you to serve, not just intend to serve, but to actually get involved in the service. To begin to really grow in your faith, to take ownership for your personal spiritual growth and begin to grow in your faith, not just intend to. God wants us to put it into action. And so he does this work in our heart, he even uses people to prod us along the way. Maybe God has used the message today to prod you a little bit in some area, something he wants you to do. And he reminds us that there's an organization behind it and that wise administration matters. And so we, we organize into groups and we try to give some clear thoughts about how to do the right thing in the right way because we're headed towards effective ministry and our organization is a means by which we get to effective ministry and maybe he's talking to you about personal integrity because who you are always ultimately leads to the kind of actions that you perform but he's reminding you therefore to do it and to serve and to be and to live for his glory let's bow together for a word of prayer some of you are here who need to be saved. And maybe you've said, like so many, someday, as though you could clean up your own life first, which only the Lord can do that anyway. You, you can't change your heart. The Lord can, though. Maybe some of you have said, well, why not this day trust Christ as Savior? Why not this day? There's never going to be a better day to trust the Lord than today. Trust Him today. Turn from your sin and give your life to Christ who died for you and rose from the grave for you. Trust him as Savior today. Some of you have been saying, I'm going to, get, I'm going to take responsibility for my growth. Someday I'm going to really begin to grow in faith, really live out my faith. But the Lord is reminding you, perhaps this day, prodding you, pleading with you this day to go beyond intention to action. I say, I'm going to take ownership now. I'm going to begin a Maybe I'll need some organizational skills to get a process by which I'm studying the Bible regularly, 
learning more of what God wants from me, having people pour into my life in a way that's helpful for me. Or maybe there's some changes God wants to make in you because he wants to, he cares about you, not just what you can do for him or give to him or through him, but God cares about you. He wants you. Would you say, God, I want to be the person you want me to be? Not just to do the right things. I want to be the man, the woman you want me to be. I want to be that person. But then, Lord, ultimately, I know that doing what's right is an action to take. And so this day I want to say yes to doing what you call me to do. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth you teach us. Thank you for drilling down into our lives and pointing out what you want from us. And Lord, we know how easy it is, it is for us to sort of separate ourselves from action and learn about things and know of your truth, but not to live it, not to do it. So, Lord, would you call us to action, to be the people you want us to be, to do the things you want us to do, to, to not just talk about them, not just to intend those things, but to, but to do those things that you call us to do, to the honor and glory of your name. And I thank you for teaching us through this great book of the Bible that points us to action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.